Welcome to another episode of the Roto World Football Podcast. As always, my name is Josh Norris. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, yeah, we're creeping towards the NFL season. I'm sure your fantasy drafts are right around the corner. So hopefully all the information we are giving you, you believe is helping you win your draft and your league. We think it is. We think you can take something away from every single show we've done. Speaking of that, this past week, I'm sure many of you listened to it or watched it on YouTube. A full 16-round PPR draft with myself, John Daigle, Roto Pat, Andy Barons from Yahoo, Scott Pianowski from Yahoo, and you know, the little jabs, little chides from Matt Straup and Chris Sims. It was a fantastic production, about two hours and 15 minutes. It's in the podcast episode before this one, so be sure to listen through the whole thing. I honestly learned something from every single person at the desk. All right, so today's show will have three different segments. The first will be must-haves, then we'll have rookie breakouts, and then ADP changes. Again, three critical pillars of info during this draft season. These are actually videos that we recorded with Nick Minzio, Patrick Doherty, Jesse Pantusco, and John Daigle when they were here at NBC HQ. As always, if you enjoy the podcast, tell one friend. Hit that subscribe button. I'm talking to you, Jeremy, Thomas, Taylor, Philip, Paul, Avery, all of you. We appreciate you so much. First up is must-haves. These are the players the five of us are trying to exit every single draft with. And it's funny because this conversation wasn't intended to go in this direction, but it ended up that many of us at the table then had to defend our selections to the other four. You'll enjoy it. We'll kick it off with Rotopat. I'm going to talk about someone no one at this table has heard me talk about this summer, <laughs> and that is Vance McDonald, who uh, sometimes I overuse the word literally, Quite literally, I've gotten Vance McDonald in every draft I've been in so far. And I just think he's the tight end, like outside that top two or three, who's most likely to crash the party. And the big play threat, we know all about the leftover targets for the Steelers. He was already top 12 in tight end yardage last year, even though he wasn't technically a starter. And uh, yeah, I have Vance McDonald in every team. It's one of those situations where there are so many targets left on the table at the Steelers, right? Like 240. Yeah. We go over this all, all, all the time. But it's important to reiterate this because after those first three tight ends, I mean, you're going to be left if you don't get another one of those next three that you're going to be looking for one in round. Where are you comfortable taking him? Like round seven, round eight, round nine? Going, I mean, I'm overdrafting him a lot. Usually right. around seven is where I start. I took him like around the, the five-six turn to block you in a draft yeah. a week ago because I knew you were about to take him. The spidey senses really start tingling like the seventh yeah. round where I basically can't like keep my hands off the computer. I think he's in that so. tier with Evan Ingram and O.J. Howard. Like, wow. He should be yeah, up there right there with them. I agree. Wow. If I'm not getting one of those big three tight ends, I'm definitely either going Ingram a little earlier or I'm waiting a couple more rounds going McDonald. I mean, those are those are the five tight ends I'm looking at in every draft. Nick, let's keep it with you. Who's your must-have player this year. Another guy that I get in every draft we've talked about so many times, Chris Carson in Seattle. Love it. Uh, dominated last year, broken tackles, led the league in those, uh, top five in yards after contact, dominated goal line looks in Seattle. Been talking about all summer in Seattle. So in the new meme, he's going to catch more passes. And yeah, they want exactly. both backs to catch more passes, but they, yeah, Pete Carroll—he's being, being drafted way so too late. Right? Can I play devil's advocate here? Because a lot of people are going to say, "Well, what about Rashad Penny? He was a first-round pick last year. He didn't get a lot of work last year." Um, how much more volume can Chris Carson have this year compared to 2018, where, if I can just say, he was a top-five rusher in the NFL? Right. I mean, I don't think this is an either-or situation either. I mean, in Seattle, there's so much, so much of the ball to go around to these yep. running backs that Carson can still be a top-15 running back, and Penny can be a standalone RB3 flex play every week. So 
I think you can have the best of both worlds with both these guys. And then the other part of that is Mike Davis departing leaves 146 touches on the table. And we just heard Pete Carroll this week. This week. He's not slowing his roll. Talk about how Chris Carson has the best hands on the team. And then they're saying they want, to see him, to, want him to see 50 targets, which more than wow. double his uh, count from last year. So. And they've experimented with him and Penny on the field at the same time. Like, we know Seahawks ran the highest run rate in neutral game situations last year, and that's going to continue because their offense is too stubborn, whether Russell Wilson's under center or not. Uh, Carson's just such a good value. And he's going right now around running back 22. Jesse, who great. are you trying to leave every single draft with? I'm all in on Julian Edelman this year uh, for a couple of reasons. Well, right now he's being drafted as the wide, wide receiver 15th, which I think is, is crazy. But I, I guess it's, I understand, it's probably because of his broken thumb, which he suffered about a month ago, which I'm not worried about at all. All signs point to him being ready for week one. And he doesn't need the extra reps with Tom Brady. That rapport is there. And I guess the other thing that people might look at is Brady is 42. He might be on the decline. But if anything, I think that plays into Edelman's hands because Brady's arm strength is diminishing. So they're going to pepper the short part of the field, which as a slot receiver um, has always been where Edelman thrives. And there's also the Patriots uh, have the ninth most available targets after Rob Gronkowski retired. Chris Hogan left in free agency. So I think uh, the volume upside is, is too good to pass up. I would just say, I just don't know what like uh, Julian Edelman's like, true ceiling is. You know, he's like a 33-year-old player. He's cleared, I think, 1,000 yards maybe once, maybe 100 catches once. He, mm-hmm. He's injured right now. It's not like a serious injury, but he has a long injury history. And so that, that's just kind of the counter argument. I think he's being drafted where he should be. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's anything below where, like, I mean, he, he's put up top 12 numbers on his pace stats because he misses games. He missed games last year. Yeah. But he was a top 12 receiver last so year. So my question back to you, Jesse, is this. Because he's going, like you said, Nick, around pick 37. Yeah. Does that just mean you're taking him in every single round three? Uh, I, I've been taking him. In, I've been seeing him available in round four. And I think he's, okay. a, he's a slam dunk around there. Well, think of the rest of the Patriots receiving core. Who else are they going to throw to? Nikhil Harry is a rookie. They don't have a, a great track record under Belichick, rookie wide receivers. Yeah. Um, I just think there's a ton of opportunity. Like, they're going to throw the ball, and I, I think they're going to funnel it through Edelman. The Patriots are top 10 available White, targets missing from last season's production, Ninth, yeah. and that's ex- excluding Josh Gordon. Like, if we include Josh Gordon whenever a hard decision comes down, Edelman has that much more opportunity. He, he has an extremely safe floor four. in mm-hmm. the third and fourth round. Total four pick. So far, Pat, Vance McDonald, Nick Menzio, Chris Carson, Jesse Julian Edelman, John Daigle. You got. We got to go off the board here, and it's not just me spouting. This is actually someone I have the highest exposure and best ball to so far, and that is Daryl Henderson. Um, Todd Gurley, I know it's odd. Todd <laughs> Gurley being healthy is actually good because Daryl Henderson in high stakes drafts was getting being drafted in the mid fifth round. He has since gone back to the seventh and eighth turn, and that to me is extremely crazy value for his pass-catching chops, for his ability to break tackles. Like, yards after contact is a sticky stat, and Daryl Henderson did that so well at Memphis. And now he has an opportunity, whether Todd Gurley plays and gets limited reps, or perhaps they just save him for the postseason, which is what I think will genuinely happen. They scale him back until the end of the year. Um, I think Daryl Henderson is literally a league winner in the eighth round. Okay, let's dive into this, because I think this is absolutely (laughs) ludicrous, John Daigle. Yes, I know. (laughs) Because he's going as running back third. 36, okay? This is also, I mean, what we do is we look at news blurbs, we post news blurbs, and we try to read the tea leaves of what usage and opportunity can be. All that we have heard for the Rams brain trust is that they view Malcolm Brown as a three-down player, and they view um, Darrell Henderson as someone like a Lance Dunbar. They brought up Lance Dunbar's name. So 
For example, if you get 65% of the volume to Todd Gurley, 35% is going to be split between Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson. I don't think it's 60-plus percent that Gurley's going to get. Okay. And once again, I'm, I'm betting on probabilities here. Like, we don't know the situation. But right now, I'm trying to be actionable, so I'm trying to actually make it count in my favor. So I am betting against Todd Gurley, especially in the second or third round. I still don't think that's good. I am betting 21 touchdowns in 14 games last year, and from, from all we heard is perfectly healthy, not limited at all at training camp. Well, right. <laughs> and that is actually, like, that's why I'm attacking it, because I still yeah. think they save him. My main concern with Darrell Henderson is that even if Ty Gurley misses games, he's not, like, a one-for-one replacement for Ty Gurley. Like you said, Malcolm Brown could be, like, the early down replacement, and so even if the alpha gets hurt, it's still a committee. But targets are more derivative for fantasy points, like direct fantasy points, than carries are for... I think he could have standalone value. I just feel like his standalone value might not even improve that much if Gurley and, and what, what my concern is, like, Tariq Cohen is going as running back 27. Is that Darrell Henderson's highest ceiling as an, a player with individual role and isolated role in this offense? I would say his ceiling's top 15. Wow. He looked wow. rough in his debut against Oakland. What do you guys Let's not about worry this? about that one carry <laughs> in the zone run scheme. That wasn't well, good. I saw a lot of Twitter talking about the blocking schemes. I think right. having, like, yeah. trouble getting used to it. Are you guys... I did see that film concern? breakdown, and there is that's actually a valid discussion. I didn't watch him in college. Is he I not a zone runner? Like, because he's a straight Big plays all the time. He's a straight Big line. Oh, huge plays, but he's a straight line guy. He's not the take a wait for your blocking to develop and then hit the upfield. Yeah. Um, that is concern, yes. But like I said, I'm still betting on all the tea leaves coming to fruition and what I believe. Daigle takes the home run shot in Terrell Henderson. I will close this one out with Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson is going as the wide receiver 43. This is one of the best big play receivers we've seen ever. And to me, he has never had a quarterback quite like Carson Wentz. And even last year, he led the league in yards per catch, around 19 yards per catch. Um, I think that I want exposure to as many Eagles as possible. I think the stack that we can have there, especially with Carson Wentz and with other receivers and running backs, is fantastic. And at the value of wide receiver 43, Deshaun Jackson is going around a lot of no names, and he's, again, one of the most talented players in his position in the NFL. I mean, in season long, it's just hard for me to get behind Jackson because I don't know when these big weeks are going to happen. It's going to be impossible to predict these. But in best ball, I'm like all over. I agree with that yeah. completely. I mean, you're, he's going to have huge weeks, but. Predicting these a lot of cooks in the be, kitchen in Philadelphia. Yeah. His First value season. has been diminishing a little bit. He was originally beyond wide receiver 50 yeah. in ADP, so it's been creeping up. But I agree. I think he's still a value. I think he will finish in the top 36 receiver. I think he's a value. It is tough to pin his start weeks in season long. I agree. But you pretty much just take the games you know mm-hmm. really sure. is going to shoot out and go over, and that's a team stack right there. You can just you sit him in. Fitzpatrick played last year. So. <laughs> and again, going around pick 98 overall. Before continuing on, I need to tell all of you that this podcast is sponsored by NFL Game Pass. I mean, we just talked about Darrell Henderson. And later on, we'll talk about rookie breakouts and ADP changes. There's nothing that changes ADPs more during this time of year than watching preseason games, preseason performances. NFL Game Pass is the way to do that. If you want a seven-day free trial, which means you can watch all of this week's games for free, go to nfl.com slash Fantasy. You get every out-of-market preseason game live and all games on replay. Again, that's nfl.com slash Fantasy for a seven-day free trial. Let's shift gears over to rookie breakouts. Basically, this is everyone but Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray would be a very easy answer to give. 
you know, we have a little bit of information about these rookies because of what they did in preseason training camp, but that's a lot of the beat writers' eyes. Preseason games are where we get to figure it out as well, but it's still super early on. So while these players might be breakouts, we also talked about their situations and how they might wind up being breakouts as well. Enjoy. Since we can't go Kyler, I'll go his teammate Andy Isabella. Love it. Is a box checker, is a rookie, uh, elite athlete, uh, elite college production, uh, has real life draft pedigree, went in the second round. Uh, Gonna be one of the most high volume offenses in the NFL. Uh, he had a little scare with a minor knee injury. There's some talk, is he really like the number three receiver? But m- more signs point to yes, that he will be in the three receiver sets. And he's just someone as a rookie who checks, uh, can't, checks all the boxes. And I think he's kind of become a little bit of a value because yes. of that injury, right? Because he missed so much time. And then as soon as he came back, he was reinserted as the number three wide receiver next to Larry Fitzgerald, next to Christian Kirk. And he's going as wide receiver 75. These are some of the names around him Quincy Nunwa and Antonio Callaway, David Moore, Taylor Gabriel. I mean, He's this, is on the bench. Yeah. this is the team, the yeah. Cardinals, that probably will lead the league in three and four wide receiver sets. I mean, we've failed as a fantasy industry of Andy Isabella because we've been trying to hype him. I feel like wide yeah. receiver 75 is just crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's slightly concerning that Keyshawn Johnson's apparently outplaying him at camp right now. But as you said, we literally got like two extra rounds of value because of the minor injury. Totally. Now he's back at camp. He's going to play in their first preseason game, so we'll get to see him as well. So, no, like I'm actually buying the value right now. And slightly well. concerning that Michael Crabtree's entering the picture a little bit. Yeah. They're not done flirting with him a little bit. So I don't know what's going to happen. I guess I want to see these last couple of preseason games it's check out. going to run then, a lot of five yeah. receiver sets. In Not time. concerning, I will say, even though like he was on top of the depth chart, is Kevin White. But we don't have to worry okay. about <laughs> I don't think so either. Our friend even existed. Uh, Jesse Pantusco, which rookie are you excited to see in 2019? Um, I'm pretty, pretty pumped about David Montgomery, uh, third-round running back out of Iowa State, who the, the Bears drafted basically to replace Jordan Howard, who they, they traded to the Eagles. And he's not going to blow you away with his athleticism. I think he ran only like a 4.63 at the combine, but he still makes guys miss. Yep. He forced 100 missed tackles at Iowa State last year, which led the country. Um, and whereas Jordan Howard was really a one-trick pony, um, Montgomery's got a little more depth to his game. Uh, he can catch passes. I think he caught 58 over his final two st- seasons at Iowa State. Showed pretty well as a receiver in the first preseason game against Carolina. Had three for 30, um, including a really nice... Uh, catch and run for for 23 yards. And, you know, for all of Jordan Howard's shortcomings, he was still a pretty productive fantasy running back in this Matt Nagy offense. He rushed for over 900 yards, nine touchdowns. And I think that uh, David Montgomery is a more well-rounded player and offers arguably a higher ceiling. Yeah, and absolutely. This is a team that will have positive neutral game scripts heading into the fourth quarter. And that was Jordan Howard's role. It was a closer. Are we sure about that? I mean, I think this team's going to take a big step back this year. I, I think I still believe in this offense. My only issue with the pick, Jesse, is I think he's going to have a breakout, but at some point he might become too rich for our blood when it comes to drafting him because he's going as running back 25 now. I think he's already too rich. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that's you know ahead of Philip Lindsay, who has done it. That's around James White, who has done it. That's around Sonny Michelle, Chris Carson. A guy we're going to talk about here in a couple seconds. Yeah, and, and David Montgomery is someone who obviously has not done it, and Probably has to compete with Mike Davis a little bit. And, and Tariq Cohen is, is we'll I mean, he's not going to well. go away. He's going to get received. We'll say with Dan Montgomery, you said one of the concerns is as athleticism. Say that word five times. Uh, but kind of like Matt Nagy keeps comparing him to Cream Hunt. He's kind of like Cream Hunt, whereas an athlete, he's like greater than the sum of his parts. Right. So I, I'm, I'm excited about David Montgomery. Nick, let's turn to you. Miles Sanders. Love I mean, <laughs> this offense, one of the ones we want a ton of exposure to. Uh, Sanders was kind of floating behind Jordan Howard at the start of camp, but. As camps progressed, Cream's rising to the top. I think Sanders is taking those more of those first team reps, 
getting gushed over by the media reporters. The Eagles oh, beat writers, like, every yeah. day, they can't A coaches. day does not go by without Mark Andrews, Curtis Samuel, or Miles Sanders. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I really like where he's going in drafts because, as opposed to David Montgomery, Miles Sanders is going after that group of Tevin Coleman, Lamar Miller, Austin Eckler, and ahead of Rashad Penny, Latavius Murray, Darrell Henderson, Jordan Howard. Like, I am absolutely in on taking a back that could end as a possible top mm-hmm. 12 back if he has a workhorse role in that area than I am someone in the 20s. On a really good offense. On a really, That's really good offense. That's why it's actionable and valuable right now. Because he should be going ahead of Tariq Cohen, uh, Sonny Michelle, but he's not. Wow. And that's why you should be drafting him, especially as he falls down the board. This is a different video. I'm kind of back in on Sonny Michelle, guys, by the way. <laughs> it's a different just, video, yeah. Just a little bit back in. Um, who have we not? We haven't had on you, John Daigle. We yet. have not yet. And it's a man I have single-handedly be hyping all offseason because he tested. Well, single-handedly so- is difficult, John. <laughs> I, think I mean, you biggest, had someone sitting I'm right next to you. Right now, during draft season, that ranked him as a top 20 prospect in the NFL draft. This is true. Eagles and then, to take and then he tested like <laughs> better than Julio Jones athletically. Uh, because that is Miles Boykin even looks the part. Uh, he has the beat writers already talking all about him. His athletic profile is amazing, as Josh apparently said before me. And then <laughs> you watch him on film as well in a preseason game. Those team-high nine targets weren't a coincidence. Like He literally takes four strides and runs himself open. He had a few easy drops on slants, but I'm not worried about drops. The fact is, he got open every single opportunity he got. You watched him. like Oh, he just moves he differently looks than different. everyone else. Yes. He's 6'4", 6'5". Oh, it's so just sexy. Just moves differently than every single other person. Issue is it's the Ravens passing game. Yes, but look around him and, like, who's going to lead in targets? Well, they Mark also drafted Andrews. a, a first-round wide receiver in Marquise Brown who, you know, hasn't touched And we haven't seen yet him yet on, on the field. Preseason game. Yes, but also smaller and then injury history, slightly yeah. concerning. But um, I still wouldn't they say— They have seven tight ends. They do. It's, it actually is a hard that rotation of three as well. <laughs> um, and then you're not going to bet on Willie Sneed or Chris Moore. Like, no. I think Miles Boykin is the guy you draft. We might not bet on Willie Sneed. John Harbaugh might bet on Willie <laughs> That's Sneed. True. Well, he might bet on Nick Boyle as well. Yeah, right? so. But he, I could see Miles Boykin being someone in like week eight starting his breakout then. It's not, I don't think it's going to happen in week one, but maybe like week eight or week 11, we just see the, the rise of Miles The Boyd. big thing is he's literally an inconsequential pick right now. He, yep. is, he is going in the very last round if he's undrafted. Free. So like he cost you nothing. You take want someone you believe can be like a wide receiver three upside and start in the playoffs yeah. and you just draft him in the last round and hold. That's true. I'll close this video out with Josh Jacobs, who's going as running back 20 now, and he's the lead ball carrier for the Oakland Raiders. What we know about John Gruden is in his history, 10-year history with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, his lead running back averaged 18 touches per game, around 250 touches for the season. What do we always talk about? We talk about 200 touches, 250 touches. We want that. And at running back 20, that value, to me, is fantastic from a volume standpoint because that's around the Devontae Freeman, Derrick Henry, Mark Ingram, Chris Carson um, span and spectrum. My only question, if I can you know, turn the mirror on myself, is that this offensive line might absolutely suck. And that's a big issue when we talk about running backs and Jalen Richard. It's something that can be overcome. I mean, we saw Joe Mixon last year overcome this exact same issue in Cincinnati. That offensive line was terrible, but he was still racking up 100-yard games, just getting fed the ball relentlessly. So right. it, it could be overcome. You worry about game script and a team that's I do. that has a Vegas but I also total think, of six? I also think they really believe in his passing game ability. He didn't have a lot of passing production in college, but from – Everything Chris Sims has told me with his connection with John Gruden and connections out there and a lot of the other reports that you read, he's being really used heavily in passing game work. Yeah, one of the worst-kept secrets of draft season was that the Raiders wanted Josh Jacobs. He was on every mock draft. So we know they're true believers. Uh, My genuine concern is tribalism bias, and it's like John Gruden is not someone who progresses his outlook. He, He leans on Doug Martin because he knows Doug Martin. 
That is genuinely like why I'm worried about Josh Jacob. Before we move on to our final segment, which is ADP changes since August 1st, do want to point you in the direction of our draft guide and season pass. The first, if you just want the draft guide, go to rotoworld.com slash draft guide. You can buy it there. It'll help you win. Mock drafts, custom scoring, all that good stuff. But if you want to take it a step further, if you want the draft guide, the season pass, the DFS toolkit, the draft master, that's our all-in package. And if you go to rotoworld.com slash win, we'll drop the price $30 this preseason for you down from $129.99 to $99.99. Again, that's the all-in package. It's just the price of the DFS toolkit by itself, which you have for the entire season. That's rotoworld.com slash win, W-I-N. So this segment is discussing the ADP changes, the drastic ADP changes, the notable ADP changes since August 1st. We'll start off with the negatives, then move over to the positives. And it's important, right? Because... Sometimes we like a player in July, but we don't like their price in August. It's important because there are shifts because of injuries or playtime or opportunity. Again, we get into the massive drops, the notable drops, and the big bumps up as well. So let's first look at the players that have dropped down the board the most. Wow. Obviously, Kiki Cutie, because of his injury, dropping 19 spots. Andy Isabella dropping 18. Look at Damian Harris dropping 17 spots, Antonio Brown, eight, Andrew Luck, eight, which is important at the top of your drafts. Pat, does any of those names stand out to you? You know, as a Sony Michelle owner in Dynasty, I, my eyebrows shot way up when the Patriots used another top 90 pick on a potential early down back. And over the offseason, he was getting you know, a lot of hype. Like, he might compete for the starting job of Sonny Michelle. Sonny Michelle had another surgery, was missing time. But it was kind of really just one or two particular reporters that were hyping Damian Harris. And it was mostly before camp. It hasn't really translated so far as camp has started. Sonny Michelle has been looking good. Seems like maybe like re-gripping the starting job, so to speak. And Damian Harris, the guy I agree with his ADP falling, I think will probably continue to trend in that So direction. basically, if we can kind of read into this a little bit, Damian Harris is falling because we feel more certain about Sonny Michelle, right? Probably. And, and there just hasn't been as much hype around Harris to drive the And ADP he didn't like play in the preseason game so yeah. far, so we, don't, we haven't seen game, anything. Yeah. We actually Even, had a, a report, I think it was from the Boston Herald, that we blurbed about today that Damian Harris has barely gotten any first-team reps at Patriots training camp. And they're talking more about Michelle catching more passes. Like, yeah. with every running back in training camp, oh, they're catching more passes this year. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't I'm know. I'm looking forward to the first running back to catch fewer passes. Right. It's, <laughs> it's not that he's catching passes, though. It's that he's on the field to catch passes. Like, you know, he sat on all of offseason activities with a knee injury, which is par for the course for him, but now he came back and he's being used on every rep. We actually, it's like, oh, he's healthy, okay. We actually talked about Andy Isabella in our rookie video. Be sure to go look at that because I think now he's even a better value down 18 spots. Um, I think Andrew Luck can turn into a value if we actually think he can play, Jesse. We don't know about that yet, but dropping eight spots around that quarterback four or five territory where he's going, I mean, that's almost a full round out of him. I'm surprised it's, it's not more. Um, Interesting. It's He's been dealing with it. This isn't like an injury that just popped up during camp. He's been dealing with it all offseason. All offseason, he has, he has practiced a grand total of three times. Mm. And it just seems, you know, eerily similar to two years ago where the Colts kept saying all the right things. He'll be ready for week one. And he keeps stretching on and on with the shoulder injury. And he didn't play at all that year. So um, I'm, j- I'm just really hesitant because I have bad memories from loading up on Andrew Luck. You know, um, I, don't, I don't trust the Colts to st- to steer us the right, in the right direction about his health. Yeah, and Nick, I mean, a few, maybe a month ago, we were sitting here for videos as well, and you said, if healthy, Andrew Luck has the potential to be the quarterback one in the season. I'm not trying to put words in right, your mouth. Yeah. And I still firmly believe that. I mean, if he is on the field, 
this offense is conducive to fantasy points. I mean, he's going to score fantasy points, so he can right. threaten that top spot. Just ideally, I want to see him come to practice here sooner rather than later. It's also not just the calf, too. I think there's been an update that he, he's dealing with a bit of an ankle issue, too. Well, the calf injuries don't usually guy for three months, so I kind of was assuming there was more to the story there, and I yeah. still haven't been... I was not worried, basically, until Jim Ursay's kind of bizarre statement, or the Colts, too, are, like, saying... Well, it's not exactly like Kevin Durant's injury situation. I was like, oh, maybe we shouldn't be <laughs> making that comparison. That's kind of bizarre that the team would do that. I usually just look to Pro Football Doc for these kind of things, and he recently tweeted that he expects Luck to be ready for week one. So Got that's it. the way I approach everything. So maybe a value. And three weeks until the regular season. We have time. It's second so, year in this offense, he doesn't have to be out there right. during training camp. And it's a far less concerning body part than a surgically repaired <laughs> right. shoulder. That's right. true. So, yeah. okay. I mean, Philip Rivers played on 20 ACL. This guy yeah. can play on a bum calf. <laughs> Enough of us being negative. Let's flip the script and turn a little bit positive here. Here are the players that have risen upwards and their ADP has climbed since August 1st. I mean, Jalen Hurd jumping up 100 spots. Duke Johnson after the trade, jumping up 56 spots. Rashard Higgins, 50. Jacoby Myers, you know, locked down the top wide receiver spot according to beat writers, uh, plus 45. And you have names like Tony Pollard, Matt Breida, Jamison Crowder. I mean, who wants to hit Higgins, on... Man. You want to hit on Higgins? Higgins. Nick Got to talk about Higgins. I mean, technician, perfect route running. He's not going to separate, but he has good hands, big guy, good, good catch radius. Offense that we want pieces of. We want Exposure parts of this yep. Cleveland offense. And we always talk about these second-year breakouts, but Higgins entering his third year kind of falling well, by the wayside. You're not talking about guys like this very often. Like He could be last year's Tyler Boyd, guy that breaks out in third year. Comp. I think the big thing with him, too, is Antonio Callaway is going to be suspended for the first four games. So he slots in opposite Odell, and then you have Jarvis in the, sl- in the slot. It's important to know he was playing ahead of Antonio Callaway in camp anyways. That was like, probably the because the Browns knew. Well, but apparent, no, apparently Antonio Callaway hadn't told the Browns about this before it actually Sounds like came Callaway. out. Yeah, it does sound like something he would do. the memo. And <laughs> Higgins actually had rapport with Baker Mayfield last year, like yeah. more so than Antonio Callaway. There, there are so many great names on this list, like Matt Breida jumping up 24 spots, Tony Pollard right now, Jesse, jumping up 36 spots. I mean, I'm sure some of that is due to Ezekiel Elliott holding out and missing some action. But does Tony Pollard even maybe have some individual standalone value as well? I, I, I doubt it if, if Zeke comes back, but Zeke's not here right now. And Jerry Jones has said that he thinks he's capable of handling the load. And uh, the, the, he, the treatment he got in uh, the preseason opener against the 49ers, I thought, was very telling. Uh, he only played the first series along with the other starters like Dak Prescott. And to me, that, that shows that they want to keep him under wraps. And Jerry Jones and the Joneses are notorious Which for talking Jesse's up. he's going to have a role. And the season, even if Zeke comes back, I could see him playing some sort of... Yeah, I was going to say, I actually disagree because I, I don't think it's huh. reactionary. I think it's proactive to draft Tony Pollard. Like, he has standalone value in this offense. Um, it may lead to Zeke being scaled back in targets and perhaps working Tony Pollard that way. But I think he is an... A plus guy to draft if Zeke is out, but it, even if he is not, like this is a player who 100% has value in one of those late round guys like Darwin Thompson or Chase Edmonds, who you draft just because his upside is weak winning later in the year. It, it reminds me of the James Conner thing last year. All the, no, none of us really knew what James Conner could offer because he barely played in 2017 as a rookie behind Le'Veon Bell, and we took a flyer on him because he's in a good offense, and we knew the volume was going to be there because Le'Veon wasn't, and he turned out to be a league winner until he got hurt. Jamison Crowder up 20, Darren Waller up 16, Miles Sanders up 14 spots, and Devin Singletary up 11. Darren Waller's an interesting name, guys, because, like, sort of. we blurb, we look at news. All we read out of Raiders camp is, wow, Darren Waller is someone 
that we really want to draft, but like we have him around tight end 24, tight end 21, and he's still going around there in drafts. Tight end is super thin. Is it worth drafting this guy or even thinking now about it? Now he's in a sling with yeah, a shoulder now he's injury, hurt. so I don't yeah. even... And, you know, who knows? Maybe he's changing positions again soon. Maybe he's going defense. There's, to me, there's like a... There, I would say there's a non-zero percent chance Darren Waller doesn't even make the team. Like, he, he's a very intriguing... He probably will make the team, obviously. But he's still more intrigue than anything actionable. Yeah. Well, one, one thing that's interesting about him is he's slotting into the role that was vacated by Jared Cook, who... He was the, supposed the team, to slot into the role. Led the team, not yet. Who led the team in basically every receiving category but now after Amari Cooper yeah. uh, got traded. <laughs> Daigle, wax poetic about Jalen Hurd here a little bit. Can you? I know I didn't play him in DFS when he went for two touchdowns. I can say that much. Uh, no, Jalen Hurd like looks the part. The big thing here is though is that you want Jalen Hurd to be that cheat code that has multi-position eligibility, and I think he has a real chance of doing that because he's going to play wide receiver, he's going to play running back, and at times we might even see him in line as a tight end. Obviously yeah. not a blocker, but he plays all those positions. And so like much like Jalen Samuels, much like Marquez Colston that year, like if you get someone you can actually slot in three positions, yeah. That's that's a league winner. And whereas I talked up Dante Pettis basically the whole summer, obviously based on the news, you kind of have to trickle off and, and go happens. off that a little bit. And it does happen, and we're just being honest about it. But the ones, the names that are being brought up so often now are Jalen Hurd and Debo Samuel. And if their preseason continue on this path, he's up plus 100 right now, Jalen Hurd. Who knows? By the end, it could be plus 200. And then yeah. we see, like, the Marquise Goodwin's not going to make the team like a month ago, and now he's the number one receiver on yeah. the right. Yeah. And there's opportunity in the, as a slot receiver with Trent Taylor Probably questionable for week one with the Jones fracture. Yeah. That does it for this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Again, if you enjoyed it at all, consider leaving a rating or review. Also, tell one friend, grow our audience for us, please. I appreciate it. We'll be back next week. Actually, Monday, an extra episode, a bonus episode just for you. Tuesday, Davis Maddock will be on the show with the vital preseason takeaway so far, the ones that are changing our drafts. We'll be back next Thursday with a little bit of an introduction some of our newest full-time employees in Hayden Winks and Ian Hartitz. Be on the lookout for that. And I also want to point you in the direction of two other NBC sports podcasts. The first one is Chris Sims, who does a great job of putting preseason performances, especially at quarterback, into perspective. And also, Peter King, as the train goes by. He has Christian McCaffrey on the show this week, Richard Sherman on the show this week. So go and check out Chris Sims Unbuttoned and the Peter King Podcast, both on NBC Sports. All right, everyone, we'll, we'll talk to you on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday of next week. Enjoy your weekend.